I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. And welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. I am so excited to be recording this intro for you in the comfort of my own home this week. Yes, I am finally home from Barbados and it feels so nice. Although I do really miss being able to walk around in my bikini all day, every day. It was just so nice to be in warm weather like that. You know? I don't know. I loved it. I miss that, but I absolutely love being back home, doing my thing in my pink office, hanging out, cuddling Penny, going for walks, and the weather is getting nicer here, I guess. It'll be a nice summer. So, Before we get to today's chat with Stephanie, who I will introduce you to in just a moment, I do have an announcement to share with you. Something really, really exciting that I did announce on Instagram on Monday. So if you follow me over there or if you're on my newsletter, you'll already have heard about it. But I'll let you know here because we haven't talked about it yet on the show. So on Monday, I launched a brand new program that my team and I have been working on, pouring our love and hearts into, and it's finally out in the world. It's called the Nourished and Free Method. And just to give you a little bit of background on this program, it's actually something that I dreamt up three whole years ago. I knew I wanted to create a program just like this, but I also knew that it was going to take a lot of time. I knew I wanted to do some self-experimentation personally, and I just had more to learn. And so I knew it wasn't something that I was going to do right away, but now three years later, I'm super excited to be introducing you to this lifestyle program essentially that's what it is so we're calling it the nourished and free method but it's like not a program it's not a course it's not a challenge at all I want you to think of it as kind of like a 30-day launch pad into this incredible lifestyle that we are going to teach you how to live. So we're going to give you these tools for 30 days, new ways of how to take care of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. We touch on all five pillars of health. So you know I'm a huge advocate for your health and taking care of yourself, but the way I approach health doesn't just stop at like the food on your plate and how you move your body. It is so much more than that. So we focus on the five pillars of health and those are proper nutrition, moving your body in a loving way, rest and stress management, reducing toxic load, and of course, self-care. So that is the basis of this program. We're teaching you every single day new healthy habits that fuel into those five pillars of health. So I'm super excited to be introducing this program to you for all the information that you need about it, how to enroll, how to register and get in the program is at my website. The link is megtherhn.com slash the method. So that's megtherhn.com slash 
the method. I'm so excited for you guys to check it out. Enrollment is open all for the rest of May and we officially start on June 10th. So I'm super excited for you all to join us in this program. It's going to be a blast and like I said we're just pouring so much love into this program you get recipes do-it-yourself projects yoga videos at-home workouts and we're also doing um four weekly group coaching calls so those will be tons of fun too and really build that community aspect so if you have any questions about this program feel free to email me as well but definitely go check out that web page that I created for you which will probably answer all of your questions so now for today's show we are chatting with one of my absolute favorite humans. I've been friends with Steph online for a really long time, but we just got really close over the past like two years or so. I absolutely love Steph. She is a registered dietitian and an absolute expert when it comes to postpartum mental health and nutrition. And that's exactly what we talk about in today's show. So if you are a mom currently pregnant and a mom-to-be, or even if you plan on having babies at some point, Steph has so much to share and you are going to love today's show. It really, really does fuel into the theme of becoming unbreakable as she provides you with tools for mental health and just being a better mama. So enjoy today's episode. And Steph, welcome to the show. I am seriously so excited to finally have you on. You were truly one of the first people that I wanted to have on my podcast. And now it's like a year later that (laughs) this podcast has been on the air and you're finally on, but I'm just really excited. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, I wanted to come on for a while. I think when you asked me to come on, we were in the middle of a huge rebrand for the whole mamas. And it was just a lot of work and a lot of time went into that. And I needed to focus all of the energy that I had outside of momming to do that. So yeah, thanks for understanding. But I'm so glad to finally be here too. Of course, I will always understand. And I'm just really excited for everyone listening and tuning in today to meet you. So can you introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, well, I am Stephanie Grinke. I'm a registered dietitian. I'm a mom of two boys. Sometimes I forget to add that, but that's a very important job to me. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And I, I don't know how far you want me to go back. I started out as a dietitian um, with a vegetarian approach, actually. And it was my husband who introduced me to the paleo diet. And he was getting ready to join the military. He was doing CrossFit, and that naturally led him to do the paleo diet. And so he presented that to me. And as a dietitian, fresh out of school, thinking about, you know, vegetarian diets. I was like, that is the worst thing that you could possibly do. This was back in 2000, what was it? 2009. And so it wasn't really that big yet. It was just really starting out at that time. I think there was only two books. And so I got into, so I, I read that as a vegetarian, um, was really thrown off because it was against everything that I had just been taught fresh out of dietetic school. But it made sense. It really did. The biochemistry was there. And so I started to really look at nutrition a very different way. And I was one of the first dietitians that came out and started talking about paleo back in 2009. And at that time, I was working mostly with women and women athletes because naturally it was CrossFit women. And a lot of these women didn't have their period. Maybe they um, got it very irregularly. Maybe they haven't had it for years. And so started working with them and getting their 
cycles back on track, making sure they were eating enough to perform and to have a healthy menstrual cycle and really thrive at that time. So I started working with these women, they would get their period back and then they'd become pregnant. So my, my <laughs> private practice shifted from working with athletes that were losing their cycle to now pregnant women. And then what naturally followed that is they would have their babies. And so it's been really fun. Um, working with women throughout their entire journey and seeing what they are experiencing and then going on to have my two kids and experiencing all that, you know, we're, we're probably going to talk about today on a very intimate level and then being able to incorporate the science into that too. So I get to, in my practice, not only help give very personal and very much an open book with what goes on because I think the more that we can share our stories, the more that we can help people, um, just like you're very familiar with, um, but then taking into consideration the research and the science and what my clients experience as well. Mm-hmm. And honestly, those are two things that I love so much about you is you truly are an open book. And I think that's so important for those of us who work and like have a platform on social media. It's so important to just be like open and share the raw details of our story. And you do that in such a beautiful way, but also how you integrate the science into everything. And I just absolutely love that about you. So thank you for giving us that little bit of an intro. And I just have to say that I didn't know you started off like vegetarian and it was your husband who introduced you to paleo. I had no idea. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. He he came home one day and was like, I've kind of been doing this behind your back a little bit. Like I've been eating because he was doing vegetarian with me and he's been he was eating um, meat at lunch when we weren't together. And he's like, but I just want you to know about this because I think you might find it interesting. And luckily I was open-minded enough to really explore that. And I think it's been really cool to see the field of dietetics open up to these alternative ways of eating that are outside of what we're taught in school. It's been really cool to see that. And more and more I see that, but there are still some professionals that are very strict by the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really love, again, that about you and appreciate <laughs> that you like have such an open mind and you can just look at things. And like you said, you kind of dug into the science of it all and it made sense to you. So you were able to apply that to your life. So just going back to when I first came across your work and who you are, because just over probably the past year or so, you and I actually became friends and started to get to know each other and get closer and whatnot. But I actually came across your work in 2013. And you had written a blog post about overcoming amenorrhea. And that's something Mm -hmm. that I've been chatting a lot about on the show with different guests just because it seems like so many women deal with that and struggle with it, but also overcome it. And I feel like that probably allowed you to help your clients even better and in a more deeper way because you started working with women who were dealing with the same thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I think when people hear that I had hypothalamic amenorrhea, they reach out to me because they know that I understand what they're going through and also understand what their providers are telling them and understand the emotions and how hard it is to make these type of changes. So for example, I know when I, I actually had to bring the research to my provider and say, hey, this is what I think is going on because they wanted to just label me as having PCOS or tell me that I was too skinny or I needed to drink Ensure shakes and not work out as much. And their advice was less than helpful. So when somebody approaches me and they are experiencing this and they want help, I don't tell them to stop exercising completely. I don't tell them to start throwing hundreds of extra calories on their plate. I you know work with them on a more behavioral change model approach and work with them in conjunction. Instead of saying, this is what you need to do, I find where they feel comfortable going and then work with them to take the steps to get to their ideal spot. 
And so instead of throwing 500 calories of an Ensure Shake at you, okay, can we add a little bit of avocado? What do you feel comfortable with? Okay, can we pull back on your workouts? Okay, what do you feel comfortable with? And have it be this mutual conversation because that's where you're going to start seeing results. And yes, you might get to that place faster if you're able to take that big jump, right? If you're start, if you're able to start eating a couple of extra hundred calories and pulling back on your workouts, yeah, you'll probably get your cycle back faster. But it is going to freak you out, and it's going to be very hard to sustain, and it may not be the healthiest approach for for you mentally and physically. So I love that I'm able to take my experiences and also blend them with what. The person really needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually just had a very similar conversation with one of my clients just this morning and said that I just meet all of my clients exactly where they're at. Yeah. And that's something that obviously both you and I do is we don't treat anyone the same. We don't mm-hmm. use this cookie cutter template. It's so important to just see your clients as an individual. Absolutely. So We'll move on past the amenorrhea because I know your focus in your practice today is very much mental health and postpartum and motherhood and also pregnancy. So can you tell us a bit about why you are so passionate about mental health and those related topics? Yeah, you know, I think one of the reasons I'm really passionate about it There's many, but one of the biggest ones was that, you know, I experienced postpartum anxiety after my first son was born and I had no idea what was going on. I thought I was just normally a little bit more of an anxious person and motherhood was kind of hard and maybe I wasn't as resilient as I thought and everybody looked like they had it under control. So it was just me that was experiencing it. And it was a very embarrassing and shameful place to be. And I navigated that territory alone for a year before I really stopped and looked at what was going on and realized that it wasn't a character flaw. It wasn't something that it was me doing wrong. It was that there was a serious imbalance happening and I could get so much better if I reached out and got the help that I needed. And I feel like in this society with social media showing all the beautiful parts of motherhood and people not only just bouncing back, but, you know, doing everything perfect and doing it all by themselves and having that be a a medal of honor or a place of pride, um, you can, it's really doing a disservice into, you know, moms that are, are struggling. And there's really not a whole lot of information about postpartum mental health out there. And so, you know, after experiencing that and recovering and and doing the steps to get better and then having a postpartum, a second postpartum that was significantly better and different and learning from that process, I feel like it would be a crime for me not to share, you know, what I went through and, and what I did the second time and what I've learned as a result of doing my own personal research and protocols and working with other moms. It just... It is such an important transition in a, a person's life. It's called matrescence. Um, just like we have adolescence, there are a lot of physical and mental and lifestyle changes that happen during this time that aren't talked about. And what I would love to just do for the rest of my life is make that transition easier for, for women and to know what they're walking into and feel like they're walking into it with the resources and tools that they need, that if something were to happen, they would know exactly where to go and they wouldn't stumble for the entire year. They would be able to jump on that right away, not feel any shame and get better. And um, yeah, I feel like I just ranted, but that's like, you know, personally, it's a very personal mission for me to, to get this information out there. And I also think I have a unique way to approach it. So I, um, I, I see all 
different aspects of motherhood in such a beautiful way. I am never one to say, this is how you should parent. This is how you should feed your baby. This is how you should do sleep um, strategies. This is how you should go back to work. Like I see the beauty in doing things so many different ways. And I feel like the information that I want to give to moms is really just uplifting and like, yes, absolutely. If that's what you think is the best for you, that is the best for you. And let me support you on this journey. It's just a very positive message that sometimes doesn't get um, the light that it needs. Yeah, yeah. I'm just sitting here like nodding my head, thinking (laughs) like, just keep going because I want to know all about like the differences between your first child and your second in terms of like how you felt afterwards and during and then the tools that other women can apply to their life but before we actually dive into that something that I can't help but think are you know like the thoughts that you just shared with us that you were having um, once you had your first son those thoughts that you kind of, you know, mentioned to us, they just sound like so normal. You know, I don't have a child, but those words that you were using, that dialogue, I was like, yeah, I could totally see how someone could think that like, oh, it's just me. I'm just maybe not doing like the best job right now. Um, So, how would someone know if they're just kind of like struggling with like a little bit of a daily, you know, anxiety or if they're actually dealing with something really serious that they need to have addressed? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, there's going to be as you enter a new territory as you enter parenthood, there's going to be some new parent worry. And that's like, oh, the baby has a sniffle, like is baby okay? Or, oh, the baby's not sleeping very well at night. Um, Getting up every two hours, is this okay that their baby's getting, is baby getting enough milk? Like some of these things are just naturally part of the territory. You're doing something new. You don't really know But the difference is when it becomes something that you can't stop thinking about. So instead of worrying about the baby getting up at night, you are watching the baby's stomach to make sure that the baby's breathing. You are afraid that the baby's going to stop breathing at night. You are constantly putting the baby to the boo because you are afraid baby's not getting enough and you are wanting to weigh and measure your baby to make sure baby's gaining weight constantly. And it's this repetitive thought that something is wrong and not able to kind of move past from that, right? Because we've all had an experience where like, let's say you're driving on the road and a car almost hits you and you get that immediate like, oh my goodness, something just happened, right? but then you're able to move on and keep driving. But it's like if you were to get almost hit by that car and not be able to stop thinking about it your entire drive, worrying about every other car that's gonna potentially hit you, Um, you're at work, you're thinking about that, and then you drive home and you're looking and like freaked out about the cars. So do you see how that's a little bit different? So it's normal to have some of these like, oh, I wonder if baby's okay, but it's, it's another thing, and I shouldn't say it's not, Um, it is very common to have some of these repetitive thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think what isn't talked about enough that I want to make sure that I talk about today is there is what's called intrusive thoughts. And this is actually something that many, many parents have, but they don't talk about it openly, even maybe to each other, because they're afraid that somebody is going to think that they're, they're, crazy. Um, and I use that word very mindfully, like they, they think that somebody is going to think that their action is going to be placed and actually done, um, for example, but it's not. Okay. So the one example would be you're walking down the stairs and you think, oh my gosh, what if I were to drop my baby? Right. That's a natural thought that a parent would have. But then there, that 
pattern gets in their head that every time they walk down the stairs, they're holding on to the baby, right? Or they're afraid to even walk down the stairs. So they barely walk down the stairs with their baby, or they have somebody else walk down the, the stairs with their baby. Or it could even be something like they're afraid to have knives around their baby because they have this fear, like, what if I were to um, hurt the baby with the knife? And it's something they would never do. They would never think about doing it. But it is, um, it's something that happens in the brain with the wiring to protect your baby, but the wiring can sometimes not be working the right way, right? Mm-hmm. And cause you to overanalyze or overthink about or overfear certain conditions. And so that's called an intrusive thought and it actually happens um, more than you would think, but it is something that's not talked about. And it is, the difference is you have that thought, but you know it's wrong right away mm-hmm. and you would never work on it. And and women and parents that experience this are actually probably more safe because they're thinking about all the variables, right, that are going on in the environment. So to answer your question, um, is it just new parent worry or is it something that I should be concerned about? I think at any point, if you feel like these thoughts are running your life and running your day and causing you discomfort, Mm -hmm. there's no harm in working with a perinatal mental health counselor, um, somebody educated in maternal mental health that can help walk you through it and do some screening and see, is this new parent worry or are you experiencing some postpartum anxiety? And then if you are experiencing some postpartum anxiety, they can give you resources to help. Um, It's never a bad idea to go get checked. Yeah. And really, truly with screening, it should happen more often. Um, The Postpartum Support International is a leading organization and they say that screening should happen multiple times during pregnancy and postpartum, and even considering having pediatricians check out while visits. Yeah, I so agree with that. And I think it would be a big like shame thing that would hold a lot of moms back from actually getting screened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely there. I think that it's also not offered mm-hmm. very often at all. Um, and part of it's because you know, maybe the provider wants to, but they don't know what they would do with the results. Like they don't know the resources that they would send the mom to. And again, that's where Postpartum Support International comes into play. They have tons of free resources and weekly chats and monthly chats for dads. Um, They can hook you up with somebody in your area that understands it. So I think there's part of that. And then there's, you know, people might lie on the screenings too. They might not truthfully answer them because they're afraid of what might happen. They're afraid their baby might get taken away. They're afraid that, they might be looked upon as an inadequate an, an mom or whatever they make up in their head, whatever story it is. So there's a lot of barriers to screening, um, but it needs to be done and moms need to get the help if they are experiencing that. Yeah, absolutely. So now that we kind of know what it looks like and kind of feels like for the individual. Can we talk a little bit more about your personal experience? And because you do have two beautiful sons and you had two totally different experiences, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think with having my second I had a lot of things in my favor. I I did a lot of research after the first, um, but I was also more equipped as a new mom. So I think, you know, sometimes after your first and these perinatal mental health conditions can happen at any time. I mean, they could not happen at all for your first. They could happen with your second. Um, They couldn't happen. They could happen with your third, but not with your first and second. So it really doesn't matter necessarily um, that way. If you do have it with your first, it is more likely to happen with your second, but it's not always, it's not directly correlated. Um, So with my first, I think I had a lot of, I had a lot of odds stacked against me. So we're a military family for one. So we had just moved when I was in my second trimester. I had left a great group of friends and moved into an area. The neighborhood was all like old retired people. (laughs) And so there really weren't any people my age around me. And, um, you know, it felt isolated for one. I think that was a big thing. I didn't have any family near me. I had just said goodbye to all of my friends and moved. And I met a couple of people, but they were working and they didn't have kids. And so I think that was really tricky for me to navigate. I, you know, because we're in the military and 
my family back home. Like I didn't, I wasn't around a bunch of kids. I never, it wasn't, I didn't grow up around babies all the time. And so when I had my own baby, it was, they don't give you a manual. Like after you have your baby, they don't give you a manual. So, you know, I was left to figure things out and I didn't know that babies cried a lot. Like I just thought like you, they cried every now and then, but I didn't know they cried that much. And I didn't know they needed that much sleep. And I didn't know all these things because it was just brand new to me. And so, you know, baby was underslept. And I think I was just really nervous about doing it right. I wanted to do it perfectly. And the fact that he was crying to me meant that I wasn't doing it perfectly. It didn't mean that he was a baby that cried. It was uh, something that I was doing wrong. And so that brought up a lot of anxiety. I'm a people pleaser. I love making people happy. And the fact that I couldn't make my baby happy was really hard. And the fact that I didn't know if I was nursing enough or he was getting enough milk was very concerning to me. Um, I had a home birth and I loved my home birth. I had a wonderful home birth. But what happens with a home birth is you have your midwife and your doulip, you have one, and they're there for like six hours after your baby is born, but then they leave. And so I was just, I was truly on my own with a brand new baby just hours after baby was born. And they'll come and check up on you. But again, it was just, I kind of felt like I didn't have the resources and tools and support that I needed. And I didn't have the community that I needed. And that was a huge influence, I think, in my postpartum. I also, my mom was with me and my mom is very tentative with babies. So she, she's nervous around babies, but she's good with toddlers. And so I think that influence, um, you know, I love my mom so much, but I think her nervousness really did rub off on me. She also didn't breastfeed. She did formula. So when I was struggling with breastfeeding, her, out of a place of love, her advice was just do formula. And so that was really hard too. You know, it was, it was um, a lot of different factors. And that's one of the things that I talk to new moms about is just make sure who is in your immediate circle, who is coming to visit you and spend time with you is aligned with the energy you want around you at that time. You know, if you have a nervous Nelly or if you have somebody who um, you think would criticize or suggest something against what you personally want to do, your principles, they might not be the best, even if it is your family, which is can be really, really hard. Um, But you're so vulnerable at that time that you just want to soak in all this good, positive energy and vibes that align with you at that point. So, you know, I think my eating, my eating was still really good. So as far as nutrition, I think there's probably a couple things I could have modified. Um, well, but that's something that I work on with a lot of new moms. But I think for me, it was just not having the support and the information and the knowledge of what to expect and having um, some kind of negative energy in a space that was really a vulnerable time for me. Mm-hmm. So that's your personal story. Now, yeah. with the women that you work with today, yeah. like you said, for you, it was very much like the lack of support that Mm -hmm. caused a lot of the anxiety that you experienced with your first. So with the moms that you work with today, what do you see to be very common that are things that you really need to help them with? Because they're like areas that they need to be like focusing more on. Yeah. So, you know, I think support is a main one for everybody, but what when it comes to perinatal mental health, there are a ton of different variables, and it really depends on the person and what their biggest rock is. What we need to work on, and so for for some moms, it is nutrition. Um, looking at the entire process of pregnancy, pregnancy pulling nutrients from mom to baby, pregnancy um, the impacts on blood sugar regulation. So mom becomes more insulin resistant to shuttle the glucose to baby. And some moms will experience some gestational diabetes. And after they have their baby, they may still be struggling with some blood sugar issues. And so those blood sugar lows or the fact that they are um, not eating balanced meals, they're not eating proteins and fats and vegetables, and they're 
eating these casserole dishes and these treats that they're given from other people with complete good intention, but that blood sugar stabilization can really lead to some triggered anxiety, um, that constant cycle of, you know, you have that muffin for breakfast, well, then what are you going to want for lunch and dinner? You're probably going to want something that's going to spike that blood sugar up again. So looking at blood sugar regulation for these moms, for sure, um, you know, going back to the nutrition, baby's pulling a bunch of your nutrient stores. Well, then if you're nursing, baby's also pulling some more nutrients from mom. And so making sure that mom is replete in those nutrients is so important. And I could probably talk for an hour about that. So I don't know how much you want me to get into with that specifically. Um, But that postpartum nutrient repletion is something that we look at. So we've got the blood sugar regulation, we've got the repletion, we've got that inflammation too. And when we're looking at mental health, one of what we used to think for mental health was that it we had this monoamine hypothesis or this theory that it was just due to low serotonin. So if we modify the levels of serotonin in mom's brain or in a depressed person's brain, then they would feel better. And what we're finding is that inflammation is really just like with many other chronic diseases at the core of some of these mental health concerns and this crisis that we're experiencing in the the world today. And so we're looking at reducing inflammation, which you can do through food for sure. Um, And then also through the use of supplements like omega-3s and looking at levels of vitamin D. Um, So that's the other core of it. And then um, looking at other underlying medical concerns like postpartum thyroiditis or hypothyroidism or um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis. That can also trigger some of this anxiety. So when I work with a mom, it is multifaceted. We look at her support system. We look at her environment. Is she, does she have um, help with groceries? Is her house clean? I mean, even some of these things, if you, you know how it feels like when you walk into the room and your bed's made, you're like, oh, I am on top of this. Like I've got this. Um, So, you know, making sure mom's space is just really conducive and clean. Um, We look at things like what she's eating. And my approach is always really positive. It's like, okay, let's fill your plate with the most nourishing meals first. And then, you know, you can add on those extra things as you want to, but let's make sure it's full of vegetables and full of really nutrient dense carbohydrates. Make sure that we have a solid source of protein. Make sure we have a solid source of fat and have that be your balanced meal. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that we're having that at least three times a day. We're not skipping meals and letting our blood sugar go too low. So it's we, we talk about that. Um, and then making sure that she is moving her body in a way that feels good. So right away after baby's born, it's not the time to be signing up for this intense baby boot camp class, but it is the time to be getting outside and getting some fresh air and getting some sun. Um, because we know that walking and having that sun exposure can also support healthy neurotransmitters and help mom feel better. So just to kind of round this up and summarize it, I have an acronym called Thrive that I am creating for our postpartum program. And um, Thrive really looks at talking about it as far as supporting mental health. So talking about it with your friends and people that get you and have that community and talk about your struggles and talk about the things that are going well. And when you talk about your postpartum, talk about things that worked for you personally without pushing your thoughts and beliefs on somebody else. And then maybe that talking it out includes a therapist or a psychologist or somebody trained in marriage and family counseling to help your relationships at large. And then health, we look at health indicators. So what labs do we need to get done in the postpartum period? We need to look at mom's iron levels. We need to look at her thyroid. We need to look at her vitamin D levels and maybe an omega-3 index or a nutrient analysis just to make sure that she's great at her core. Because if we're not resolving those underlying issues, you know, we can't throw a bunch of fish oil at her. We can't throw a bunch of liver or greens at her and expect that to fix her thyroid, right? So we really need to make sure that that's taken care of. Then we go into the R, which is my 4R protocol for moms. So we want to reduce inflammation. We want to regulate blood sugar. We want to replenish nutrient stores and we want to repopulate the gut. 
again, the gut-brain axis is so important for mental health. Um, and then we have the eye. So that is my um, into the kitchen approach. So showing moms how to build really simple ingredient meals. I don't know if, you know, your listeners follow me or follow the hashtag that I use ingredient meals, but it's making not, not so much making recipes, but throwing things together in your kitchen um, that you basically pull a protein, you throw a healthy fat, you throw a healthy carb on your plate and you call it good. So last night, for example, I did um, spaghetti squash. I just cooked that in my instant pot, threw it in there for seven minutes. Um, I had some shrimp that I cooked up and then I had some Kerrygold garlic and herb butter. And I just sauteed those things together, three ingredients. It took 10 minutes and I had a meal. So looking at uncomplicating your recipes, but still really making nutrient dense meals. And then we've got the V. So V is vocalizing what you need. So a lot of times moms will have a hard time asking for the help that they need, or, you know, their, their partner may want to help with changing the diaper, but mom has kind of um, shown her partner that she can do it best. And sometimes, you know, for example, dad will put on the diaper wrong one time or the partner will put on the diaper wrong one time and mom will like yell at him for doing it that way. And then the partner doesn't want to help out. And so it's finding these things that you feel comfortable giving away or looking at ways that you can ask for help in areas of postpartum, whether that's hiring a house cleaner or splitting responsibilities with your partner or um, getting childcare for your date night once a week. So vocalizing what you need um, with sleep and stress as well. And then the E is exercise and in the environment. So getting outside. So as you can tell, it's not like I focus on one thing with the moms. It's focusing on their entire lifestyle and their entire being during this really interesting new season of life. Wow, Steph. Thrive. <laughs> that, I was just like, oh my gosh, I could have listened to you talk about that forever. That is fascinating. And I'm so proud of you for putting that together. That's amazing. Well, if you couldn't tell, I have a hard time like condensing what's in my head because <laughs> there's so many different things. It's not like I can tell, you know, new moms, oh, you should just eat more leafy greens and you'll be great. Or go see a counselor and you'll be great. It takes a team approach and it takes uh, looking at your life in a comprehensive form to really make these significant changes. And, you know, my hope with like creating this program is to kind of spoon feed a little bit at a time. So it's not as overwhelming as it sounds right now. Well, I just think that is such a great and brilliant approach. And I was telling people you're brilliant and you are. Aww. So thank yeah. you so much for sharing that with us. So I do want to go back to the like nutrient replenishment that you were yeah. talking about. And when you first brought that up, you were talking about like breastfeeding and how oh. so many of the nutrients go to obviously the baby. Now, mm -hmm. I have never breastfed before, but I have so many friends that do, and a lot of them will come to me with a lot of anxiety because they like they get so anxious about the fact that they can't eat enough to like keep up with the demands. I know yeah. I have a lot of friends who lose like too much weight during the breastfeeding process, and you know they're not um, anxious due to like imbalances within their brain, but they're just like anxious because they don't want to be losing so much weight and they don't know what to do. So can, do you ever help moms who are so stressed about that? Yeah, I. it's interesting, Meg, because I get it from both ends. I get the moms that are really stressed out because they feel like they're eating enough, but yet they're losing weight or maybe they feel like their milk supply is tanking and they just can't keep up and they can't even think about adding another meal or yeah. adding another healthy fat to their plate. And then I also have moms where they're so frustrated because they're told that if they breastfeed, it's not only wonderful for their baby, but then they'll lose pounds and they're frustrated because they're not losing pounds. Whereas this other mom is dropping weight and it's just, 
they, they don't understand it. Um, so I get both variables. So I'll answer the, the first one that you're getting often. I think it's, I do it on a case-by-case basis, looking at what mom is eating. I think sometimes what I see is that moms will think that they're eating a lot because they are snacking throughout the day. So when they're looking at their overall day, they're like, well, I just, I snack all the time, but it's just little bites of food and it's not a substantial meal. Cause when you have a newborn, you know, I like to talk about like one-handed snacks because most of the time you're holding that baby, uh, whether it's that you're feeding that baby or you're burping that baby or you're or the baby's crying, so you're holding that baby, or a baby's so cute that you can't put it down. And you usually only have one hand. And um, so I talk about one-handed snacks, but the point being that it can be hard to find time to sit down to a, a nice big meal. So I would look at, is mom snacking throughout the day or is she sitting down to those big meals? If she is snacking, how can we boost that? So if she's having a piece of fruit, could she have like a pouch of nut butter, right? So it's still easy. It's a one-handed snack that she can have in addition to just having that piece of fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at it as more of a mini meal. So anytime you're having a snack, look to make sure that it has a, at least two out of the three macronutrients. So at least carbs and fat or carbs and protein or protein and fat. Um, that will help increase the calories and support that nursing relationship and make sure you're getting the nutrients you need to, because if mom's losing weight, my concern isn't just that maybe she's losing weight to a degree that's not healthy for her. It's just, maybe she's not also getting those nutrients she needs in to support her health Mm -hmm. and baby's health and to replenish replenish what she lost. So if she's snacking, I would look at that. Um, the goal would be to get to a point where she's sitting down to nice balanced meals. And with that, I think the easiest way to up the calories and the nutrition is to up the the fat Mm -hmm. because maybe you don't have the time to sit down for a long meal. So eating a huge salad, I remember for me, that was not going to happen. I didn't have the time to sit down and eat a salad in a way that didn't make me feel like heavy and bloated after, after shoveling down all these greens and raw veggies. But if we can add an extra tablespoon of dressing, if we can add the whole avocado instead of half of an avocado, if we can throw some nuts on that salad, if we can maybe make a smoothie in the morning that has full fat coconut milk instead of just water or like a a really light 30 calorie almond milk type of thing that can help easily boost the calories and give really nutrient dense fuel for both of them. Yeah, that would make such a huge difference. And it's so obvious that if you want to increase your calories and you're kind of at a point where you're feeling like the amount of food you eat is so much already, hands down, the easiest way to do that is add more fat or like swap what you're eating with more fattier options. Like the almond coconut milk option that you said, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Or even something like if mom's having a chicken breast, if she could swap that with a chicken thigh, if she is having like a turkey grass-fed or turkey hot dog, have like a beef hot dog or ways to change even the proteins that she's eating instead of tuna, have canned salmon, Mm -hmm. those type of things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you did say you wanted to talk to the other population, maybe the ones that are struggling with some emotional, um, stuff in regards to breastfeeding and not losing weight. Because I do have friends like that too, and I I'm I know on the podcast here we don't talk a lot about like weight loss, like that's not my message at all. But I think there's like a mental and emotional mindset component that it's really important that you and I do talk about that because women do struggle with that situation. Yeah, yeah, and I I understand that because I was part of that crowd. I didn't lose weight easily with nursing. Um, I will say that with my first, I lost a lot of weight in the beginning, but that was because of the anxiety. Mm. And that was also really hard for me because people would tell me like, Oh my gosh, you look great. And I'm like, well, thank you. But I'm actually really struggling right now. And that's why I'm losing weight is because I'm so anxious that it's uncomfortable to eat. And so I think just being very cautious about how you 
talk to women and how they look postpartum. Um, you know, one of the one of the things too is you can't tell if a person has a mental health condition just by looking at them because I know with Leo having two kids, I was just like running out of the house, having food all over me, my like hair in a bun, but I was feeling pretty good as a new mom. Like I didn't have those mental health concerns. With Otto, I was almost like afraid of people seeing that something was going on that I tried harder when I went out. I tried to look like I had everything all together. And so looking at me from the outside, losing weight right away, had my hair done, makeup done. It looked like I had everything figured out, but I was far from it. Right. So that's just one thing is like, really don't judge a book by its cover. And so with the nursing and and not losing weight, I think there are just so many factors. And I see this quite often where moms aren't losing the weight that they had thought they would or wanted to or expected to. And it really is, it's figuring out at the core what's going on with that mom. So is she experiencing some hypothyroidism or some inflammation that is causing her to retain weight? Is she not sleeping well? And that lack of sleep is causing her to hold on to that weight? Is she really stressed? And so some of that cortisol and that stress is keeping her holding on to some weight. Is she navigating the transition to motherhood and the emotions that go with it and the stress that goes with it by eating? And maybe there's some emotional eating going on. I remember having my jar in or a spoon in the peanut butter jar at times because I'm like, I just can't even. And you know, taking down some tablespoons of almond butter to cope with just the stress. And if you're not sleeping, what foods are you choosing? You're probably choosing more hyperpalatable sugary options. And so it's not that we need to scrutinize everything that's going into our body. But if if you are if you are somebody that's identifying that you do feel like it would be healthy for you to lose weight and you aren't in your nursing, that would be kind of where I would start is look at some underlying health conditions that may be going on. Look at your sleep and figuring out ways that you can optimize it. And if you can't optimize it, you know, understanding that this is a process and not everybody loses weight. And for some of the moms that I work with, they, they'll stop nursing and the weight will fall off pretty soon after. And that's not to suggest or recommend that you stop nursing, but just letting you know that sometimes it's not like a personal thing. It's not something you're doing wrong. It's just how your body's responding to the hormonal changes. Um, so I could go on and on about this, but yeah, it's, it is. It can be really, really hard, especially if you're in that falling into that comparison trap or looking at social media. I think it can be really hard. But there's a lot of things that could be variables into holding on to that weight. Right. Absolutely. So I know we are getting to the end of the show, but <laughs> I can't help yeah. and I cannot let you go before yeah. I ask you to kind of share with us because you talked about your postpartum with Otto, but you haven't really talked about um, some of the changes that you made for you personally when you had Leo and experienced Mm -hmm. like such a difference between the two, right? And I know you went through Thrive and I'm sure (laughs) that's basically everything that you did, right? Yeah, I think one thing that was really important, and I would recommend it for sure for any moms that may have experienced some mental health concerns with their first, but even if you, maybe you have a history of depression or a history of mental health concerns personally or in your family, or you just want to be really proactive, uh, one of the things that I did before Leo was born was I let my midwife know that I experienced it with my first. And I let my husband know that I really wanted him to be on it because your your partner and your best friends and the people in your immediate circle know you and know what you're like you know, at your core. And so they can be the first to call out that something's going on with you, even if you can't identify in yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes other people can be the best observers. And I let them know that you want them to voice their concern because what gives me just goosebumps hearing about, and I hear this quite often, is that some moms will say that they thought that something was going on with them, but they weren't sure. And their 
their family knew that something was going on with them, but they were afraid to say something. And so the mom just kept going and kept going. And finally, when she raised her hand months down the road and said, something's going on, then her family's like, yeah, I know, but we were afraid to tell you. And so she went those months just really mean and struggling. And so I think our friends and family, they, they sometimes want to say something to us, but they're afraid. And so giving them that feedback before baby is born, like, Hey, look, here are the signs that I experienced last time that led me to believe that something was wrong or that I experienced or even giving them a list. And this is something that I have in the postpartum program is like, here's a list, here's a handout to give to your family, to let them know, this is what I want you to look at for postpartum anxiety, for postpartum depression, for postpartum OCD, for postpartum traumatic stress disorder. These are the things that you need to know about. And then giving them, just like we talked about with providers, with screening, sometimes it's like, okay, I can screen, but then what do I do with that information? Your family is like that too. So, you know, saying, okay, here's the things to look out for, maybe putting it on your fridge or putting it somewhere where you feel comfortable. And then saying, and here's where, here's a number, postpartum support international, here is my psychologist number, you know, having somewhere to go and give you. So you're not having to search for that information. They're not having to search for that information ahead of time. Oh, that is such great advice, Stephanie. And honestly, like I said, I could literally keep (laughs) chatting with you. This episode could be like four hours long and I would love every second of it, but we will wrap things up. But before we go, I would love for you to tell me what it means to you to be unbreakable. I think unbreakable means to be resilient. No matter where you are in life on your journey, there's going to be ups and downs. It's a roller coaster. There's going to be months and days that are better than others. And what it means to be unbreakable to me is to be able to trust in your body, trust in the world, trust that you are strong enough to make it through those hard times and congratulate and really appreciate and feel the good times as well. And what I mean by that is sometimes when we have a really good day or we do something great at work or, um, you know, our kids are really well behaved, we just move on and we don't appreciate and acknowledge that as much. So to be able to acknowledge that and then trust that those during those hard times, we're going to come out and we'll be stronger for it. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much, Steph. And where can everyone find you? Because if they are not following you yet, they're all going to head over to Instagram and try to find you and start following you. So where can they find all of what you do? Because you also have a podcast. Yeah, I do. Podcasting is my favorite job. I wish I could do that all day, every day for the rest of my life. Um, I have a co. I have a podcast called Whole Mamas Podcast with a co-host who is absolutely incredible. She's a naturopathic doctor and she specializes in pediatrics. Her name's Dr. Ilana Romel, and both her and I do a weekly podcast where we interview experts on topics all about motherhood, and we'll do a recap after the episode to give key takeaways. Cause I think sometimes with podcasts, we can learn a ton of information, especially from experts. And then you just move on to the next topic. And we like to help give those takeaways from our perspective and share our personal and our clinical experience. So that's Whole Mamas podcast. And then I have, I'm the program director for Whole Mamas Club, which is Whole30's online platform for moms. And no, we are not saying that you need to do a Whole30 for your entire pregnancy, preconception, postpartum. We don't care if you do one at all. I mean, I think it'd be great too. But we are basically there to support all moms on their all of their journeys, whether it's foster parenting, single parenting, um, whether you're trying to conceive, whether you have a teenager, we give tons of resources there. And we have a pregnancy program right now. We have a weekly email series, which I think is so much fun. You get an email every week with, um, it's written from me. It's telling you what's going on with you, what's going on with your baby, what nutrients you want to focus on this week, and a recipe and an affirmation to keep everything positive. And then just a quick little to-do list to make sure that you feel like you're Um, empowered with that information. 
And then we have a post-training program, which is my, uh, I'm so excited to get this out into the world. That will be launching in like June, July. I don't want to say that because you never know how it, how it goes, but I'm working on that right now. Well, I am so excited for you to get that out into the world because I know everyone is going to love it. So thank you again, Steph, for joining me on the show today. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And I forgot to mention my handle is Steph Greenke. Steph, G-R-E-U-N-K-E. I will have that up in the show notes, too. All right. Thank you, Meg. Thank you. 